Hi there, and welcome to the Living with SMA podcast. We're here to have conversations about living with spinal muscular atrophy. Throughout this podcast, we will be covering lots of different topics from preparing for university, getting the most from your personal budget, sex and relationships, and lots, lots more. So we invite different hosts from across the SMA community to come together here. We want to answer your questions, provide you with useful tips and recommendations, and also share personal stories. So please do reach out and connect with us here at the charity SMA UK. Thank you for listening, and we hope to find the podcast useful. Welcome to part two of You've Got a Friend in Me. In part one, we talked about the experience of having your very first carer. We heard from Lauren, Connor's PA, who shared her perspective and talked about recruitment. Today, we'll be talking about setting boundaries with your PA, the relationship process, the skills needed to become a PA, and the importance of empathy and compassion. Talking of boundaries, uh, Louis, coming to you, um, it sounds like to build a strong relationship with a PA, a lot of it comes down to consistency, time, and setting those boundaries um, almost quite early on. I mean, from my personal opinion, um, I sort of have boundaries with my um, PAs in the sense of they know that I'm quite a social but also quite private person. So if they know I'm having an evening with my friends, they know I like to be left alone and they'll keep themselves, you know, back away in, in another room or give me some privacy, which is nice. Louis, what, what can you add to that in terms of boundaries with your PA? I mean, it's, it, it's, it, is, it is important uh, that they understand what you're expecting from them. Um, and I think um, we're, we're in a position where we're relying on someone else. So for them to understand when we do want to be left alone and when we need to be left alone, it, it, it is important. I, I work from home and um, I'm in meetings uh, uh, maybe a majority of my day. And if you have a carer that's coming in and asking you questions or um, coming in and, and, and disturbing you in the middle of a meeting, it doesn't really work. So by setting those boundaries, they, they understand that from the beginning. But I also think care is a lot about a give and take relationship uh, between us and, and, and our carers. Uh, I have to be able to accommodate them when I can and vice versa, because otherwise it doesn't work. It's not how relationships are built. It's, relationships are never a one-way street. It's always a two-way street. And um, whilst... Most people won't agree with that because um, I've been challenged on that, that ideology before. Uh, I have found that I have far more rewarding relationships with PAs or carers because of that kind of mentality. And, and if even though that person is here for me, they're human. They have their own good days and bad days. Uh, they have their own family commitments. So you have to be able to accommodate for that as well. That's a very good point. Yeah, and Connor, sort of coming to you, I want to focus on the positive relationships that, that we have here. What would you say is the, the best thing about having PAs? How has it enhanced your life? It's all about enabling and facilitating not only the client, but both client and PA. 
in the relationship. So yes, one day it might be, uh, you know, uh, chill day, maybe the energy levels are low. And then the next day might be, oh, let's go for a meal with some friends or a drink. And it's all about facilitating each other to achieve whatever task you're trying to do. So for Lauren, it might be if we're going to the pub, you know, maybe check the road or see what the pavements are like. And for me, it's all about making Lauren feel comfortable in that scenario, because the more comfortable Lauren is, the better quality of care is provided. Absolutely. And it is a big thing. I think it's important that we should know that it's, it's a big thing letting somebody into your personal home, um, into your personal space. And I think just sort of touching back on briefly on the, um, the process that it takes to um, meet a, a new carer or the recruitment side of it. Um, what skills or what skills do you think are involved um, in becoming a carer? I'm going to throw this one to you, Lauren, because I know often you hear of stories of people who maybe go to a job center and they, they're looking for any old job. And then you hear talk of, um, oh, just get a job in care, which as a disabled person, that, that's very frustrating because although you may not need certain skills or qualifications to get a job in care, I think it takes a certain person to be able to uh, survive the job. Um, so what, what's your thoughts on what it takes to be a carer? Yeah, see, I, I would say I feel the same, really, because um, obviously it, it's to me, it's not it's not just a job. It's obviously you're looking after somebody's livelihood and obviously it's the family as well. So, um, yeah, straight as well, when people just think that care is just the easiest option. But um, I mean, obviously, you need to be some um, a bit of empathy put yourself in shoes and that's the same like Connor was saying that um if he wants to go to the pub and I uh, don't take offense or anything if he sits on the next table obviously in the distance and that because I appreciate obviously you know is is a young lad that obviously wants his own independence as well but I'm there if he needs me for anything um so uh, gotta have a bit of respect um and just a kind heart just to make sure that you know you can see yourself on the other foot as well if if you treat somebody the way you would like to be treated um then that's that's the best qualification i think really yeah no couldn't have couldn't have put it better and i think we all know that connor obviously likes going to the pub i think that's been made pretty clear um louis what about yourself what other than providing care what things have a has a PA enabled you to do you got any cool stories for us I mean uh, I, I just before I answer this question I want to, to touch on what uh, Lauren said I think that it's very important to highlight the word uh, that you use which is uh, empathy um, I am a firm believer that in any recruitment process for the care industry that people need to be assessed for empathy and and for compassion I think the, the challenge that we're facing is um, I I have sometimes have better care from someone who's never done it before because they are empathetic and compassionate. 
compared to someone who's been doing this for 15 years and are just about getting as many calls done in a day as possible so they can make their money and go home early as if they worked a full shift. Um, so I, I think that, that that needs highlighting. Some of the um, experiences I've had since being in the UK now have been very hit and miss. And again, carers who have zero experience have offered me a better quality and standard of care because they care about their job or they care about the impact that it's making for me. So a great way to highlight that would be to then answer the question that you just asked me, which would be talking about um, some of the carers that I have with me on a, on a consistent basis right now, which is um, a lady called Kim, who is uh, semi-retired, and she's only here three days a week. Um, but Kim has, the, even though she's far older than I am, we, we just get along like a house on fire. And we we have banter, um, we go places locally. Um, it's really difficult to get out of my house because I don't have an adapted home yet. Um, so it's quite a tedious process going in and out. So I only go out if I have to. And um, she'll walk with me to go cut my hair at the barber or go to the pharmacy to get my medication. Or um, if I just want to go for a walk, she would do that in a heartbeat. Um, I have, I did have a, a very young carer called Phoebe, who's 19 years old. And um, the first time I was introduced to her, my immediate thought was, how is this young lady going to actually take care of me? Because this is not an easy job. And after a couple of months, I had to eat my words. And I, I even apologized to her because the standard of care that she delivered was just phenomenal. And we get on like we're family. And Phoebe has actually given me the opportunity to go to work events. Um, for the whole day. So we would, Phoebe normally only does afternoons, but she came in specially at 6.30 in the morning so we could catch a train to London, spend the day at the London XL at the, the work conference, come back, and then do it all again the next day. You know, it's it's those kind of, kind of amazing experiences that they allow you to have that you wouldn't be able to do without care. You know, Kim... Kim is now coming with me, not next week, but the week after on a work trip. I have to go to Birmingham for sales training. And Kim coming with is allowing my partner who's driving to be less stressed about having to drive all the way, take care of me throughout the day, get me dressed and washed and all that stuff for every day, of, every day that I'm going to training, which is three days. So, so I, I don't think people sometimes understand the independence that we're given by having someone commit their time to our lives and, and help us achieve things. You know, Phoebe and I have a, a blast when we go places because Phoebe is absolutely terrified of lifts. So what she has to do is put me in the lift, press the button, run up the stairs, 
and meet me when it opens because she just she has a, a, a serious fear of lifts and unfortunately there's been uh, two two occasions where she had to go in with me and, and you can just see the anxiety on her face so I don't mind I know that nothing's going to happen in the 30 seconds it takes me to get to the next floor you know so so if she's happy to run up the stairs to meet me that that's all good with me um but I think a, a funny story would be when we went to the London Exile event um, last year, we were on the way home and she put me in the lift and forgot to press the button and started running downstairs. And the doors closed and the lift is, is still not moving. She got to the bottom and realized that I wasn't there. She's like, oh my God, I've lost him. <laughs> and, and then she thought, Oh wait, let me press the button and see. And then obviously the lift went down and, and, and she could meet me at the bottom. So that was quite funny. Um but I think I think the, the main point that I'm trying to make is that having a relationship that is mutually beneficial, not just because she's earning money but for taking care of me, but because it's rewarding for her as as much as it is for me allows you to enjoy experiences like that where you go out and you you say random things about people when you're people watching and you can have a laugh about it and you you can go do things that you wouldn't be able to do without your partner or family member that's with you and it just really allows you to live as much of an independent life as possible you know i'm still very limited because the care company is very policy orientated so there are a lot of things that they can't do with me. So we can't go on holiday together, even if I could afford to pay for their care. It's not allowed. And 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 that's a major impact on me because is it really a holiday for my partner if she's doing my care? No, it's not. So what I'm now forced to do is to get an agency carer to come in who doesn't know my care from a bar of soap and has to now provide some kind of care that's going to be adequate while we're away so it's it's challenging yeah no it's very very challenging and i think you you mentioned some really great things there and it's it's sort of continuing on the fact that we're what we're saying here is the fact that pas are not just for care they you can really build a fun and social friendship out of it as well um connor coming back to you is that this is your chance, by the way, to really throw Lauren under the bus and, and say something to, to shock her? Is there anything? Um, <laughs> is, there, is there anything that you have yet to achieve that you really want to do that a PA can potentially support you with? So you could say, do you, you want Lauren to go skydiving with you or something? I think uh, very similar to Lily, like. I turn 21 in a couple of months in September, it'll be. So we was looking at kind of holidays and what activities we can do. And there's a lot of boundaries and policies on why certain things can't be done that really are breakable barriers. There's definitely ways around them that doesn't harm or show any kind of negative impact on anyone so we're constantly looking at improvement on kind of travel and holiday and that kind of stuff going forward 
because like I've not been abroad since I was eight years old, purely for kind of travel and care reasons. So if there's one thing that I would like to do objectively speaking going forward, it would definitely be travel more, a lot more. That sounds good to me. I think we all need a bit of sunshine to be fair, don't we? You've been listening to the Living with SMA podcast. We hope you can join us again next time. But in the meantime, please don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find out more on our website at smauk.org.uk.